Welcome to the Ordinary Saints podcast. This is episode six, and you're here with Richard Bonifant and, and Sarah West. There you go. She can introduce herself. I I just need to hold back a bit more. Anyway, it's all good. <laughs> I just jump right in there. Yeah. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed the last couple of episodes. Today, uh, something a little bit different. We launched the podcast only a few weeks ago. Mm. And it's been, uh, as we've mentioned previously, it's been a bit of a learning experience for us. It's been uh, in all sorts of ways, from recording to editing to uh, getting it up online, getting it available out uh, into your listening ears. So one of the really fun things has been uh, when I put the podcasts up onto Buzzsprout, which is who hosts our podcast, that you get analytics. And analytics are statistics about how many downloads you're getting and where they're coming from (laughs) and the frequency. And it gives you a little prediction of how well your next episodes might go. And because of my, uh, my study life, I deal with statistics (laughs) quite a lot. It's part of, (laughs) part of the work I do there. Uh, I kind of enjoy it. So it's a bit of a a nerd out thing. Uh, And there are some really fun bits to it, right? So certainly seeing where some of the podcasts around the world uh, are hitting and mm. look I just wanted to take this opportunity to say hello Canada yeah hello uh, Canada hello to our one fan in Canada we you've been faithful with the podcast so far and right. we hope you hang in there with us and you've downloaded all three according to our analytics yeah um so it's great to know that we're reaching around the world there have been some some hits in the UK as well uh, a couple in New York it's very strange to think as we sit here in the attic in Auckland, New Zealand, yeah, uh, our little hub of COVID-free <laughs> paradise, mm. uh, that people are interested in talking to us and communicating with us. Yeah, so, it's lovely. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Absolutely. So this has been really fun, looking at those stats and going, wow, this is really cool. And suddenly I realised my behaviour was starting to change. Uh-oh. Yeah, temptation. Something like, oh, we've had this many downloads for this episode. What can I do to maybe get a few more downloads for the next Richard. episode? I know. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's really seductive. It is. Yeah. And uh, it made me think actually quite a lot of social media is like that, right? That it we is, yeah. start getting dragged into promoting sort of the, the art of self-promotion really quickly. Mm, mm. And going, oh, well, what do we need to do? We, do we get flashy guests? Do we? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Hillary was pretty flashy, though. She was fantastic. To be fair. She was a fantastic yeah, yeah. Guest. quality guest there. <laughs> but that wasn't to boost analytics um, because we have, Richard and I have been reflecting on this about the danger, I guess, of getting into that trap, right? Of so- self promotion on social media and on podcasts. And I guess it's a good thing to reflect on as well as Christians, right? As, as followers of Jesus going, what are we doing here? What's the temptation and why? Yeah. And as I thought about it more, I started realizing that's right. Analytics are not actually just so that statistic nerds like myself can have fun and go, oh, look at where we're <laughs> trending. Look where we're posting. Look what apps are, are working for us better. Actually, it's about advertising. Mm. And so, and, and there are all sorts of tabs that come up on the podcast things, saying things like monetization. Ooh. 
if we have more downloads and if we're trending on Apple Podcasts, which our first few episodes did, right? So Apple mm-hmm. Podcasts, we're there in the top 10 alongside all sorts of very popular, well-promoted podcasts. Joyce Meyer. Oh, among others. Mm. Um, so all sorts of well-known uh, people who are often really big parts of Christian kind of broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. And yet here we are on this <laughs> makeshift table. With our freely acquired uh, podcast equipment, sitting here with our, I'm currently eating Japanese snacks, which are absolutely delicious, and our plungered coffee. You know, this is a very makeshift setup. I just need to let you all know that. Very basic. Mm -hmm. That's us. Very Mm -hmm. basic. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're sitting by a printer. It's, you know, there's nothing flash. We've got fluoro lights above us, fluorescent lights. Well, yeah, and not to mention the uh, several minutes of polite negotiation with all the other people who share the office space that we're using. Yeah, saying, hey, can we can we come record this podcast? Yeah. Is, it, is it okay <laughs> if you keep your office doors closed and maybe ignore those phone calls for the next <laughs> half hour? Um, and they're really good about doing that, just so yep. so we're yep. all clear about it's that. It's very really grassroots hospitable. what we're doing here. Yeah, yeah. as I say, I'm noticing that seductive thing and I'm going, mm. oh, advertising. All of this is about us now. We're in that position of, oh, well, we could get a sponsor. Mm. This is not going to happen with this podcast, no. okay? Just so we're clear, we're not about to become the the Pepsi Ordinary Saints podcast. <laughs> no offence to Pepsi. No offence to Pepsi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> But we're not going to go down that pathway because that's not what we're driving at. But mm. it was a case of I had to stop and pause and go, what are we trying to achieve here? Mm. Mm. I think there is that thing of sharing thoughts and ideas. It's something that we put out into the world and then it sort of it very quickly turns into, well, this could be a kind of business. Yeah. And suddenly there are measures of success. Mm. And what do those measures of success mean? Yeah. And actually we've needed to have a conversation about, well, hang on, what does success mean for us and mm. for our podcast? Does it mean the most listeners or does it mean that we're doing work that we feel good and positive about? Mm. What are our values and what are we trying to achieve and to be clear about that? Anyway, all of that was a way of me starting to think about this thing called prosperity gospel. Mm. Such a good topic. So Sarah, when you hear those words, prosperity gospel, yeah. what is, what's your reaction? When I think, you know, honestly, the first thing that came to mind was really well-polished, broadcasted, online kind of sermons or whatever from mega churches or anything like that. And look, I'm not, I'm not out here to be Hayden. All right. I'm not out here. I'm not, I, 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 it's just that that's, that's what I thought of Mm. and I'll be honest. And, you know, growing up before I really, you know, developed that critical mind, actually, I would look at that stuff and just think, oh yeah, that's cool. Like that's part of the church. That's cool. And, and, but it wasn't until I got a quite, you know, a bit older, maybe university age or, you know, teens, teens, that I started to question, look, wow, actually, I've learned now that that stuff takes a lot of money to produce. Mm. How much of that, and, you know, I'm not laying a judgment here on any one particular person or organization, but I think the question, as we talked about in our last podcast around being prophetic witnesses, you know, part of the, some of the questions perhaps we need to ask ourselves is how much is too much? And how, you know, how much is justifiable when we read the gospel and we read about this Jesus that we follow and the the agenda, I guess, that Jesus had, which was, you know, to the marginalized, to the oppressed, to the people 
that we need to be thinking about and need to be at the forefront of our minds. Those people and and how we interact with those people and we are pouring all of our money into production. There could be some justifiable means for some of that maybe, but it just it does make you ask those questions, doesn't it? And I think it's really important that we talk about it because for me it's I don't know how sustainable that is. There's always going to be a tension around kind of the business of church right? Mm, because mm. the simple truth is ministry and mission cost money they do so for the church to do its work in the world we need resources we do we do um, but surely it's a question of balance right mm. so I think before we go too much further we probably need to reach a, an understanding of what prosperity gospel is uh, as opposed to you know just the regular business life of church, mm, mm. Um, because every church community, like if you have a building, well you've had to have had money to pay for that building. Yeah. You need to pay your electricity bills, especially if you want to be in a warm church, as opposed to you know most of us who spend our lives in a cold church. <laughs> but you know there are those sorts of aspects to to just regular church life. But mm. prosperity gospel is a little bit different, right? Mm. And certainly my early experience of it was. And I was reasonably unaware that it was happening at the time, but it was kind of in the, uh, a sermon message which essentially said, if you have your relationship right with God, God will give you everything that you want. That's right, yeah. Which, when I was 15, sounded brilliant. I was like, yes, okay. <laughs> and, and, and also it helped that this particular preacher was really willing to tell me what having my right, relationship right with God was all about. Oh, I see. And yeah. so I got the kind of, 15 rules. If you follow these rules, you're in a good relationship with You'll God. You'll get the car. Yeah, there you go. And that was quite a, as I say, a, a fairly materialistic kind of spirituality. Yeah. But heck, I was 15. I'm like, I want stuff. I like stuff. I want yeah. stuff. And uh, if this is a way to get it, then brilliant. I will say these particular prayers and I'll turn up to church every week and I'll put money in the plate. So there are a whole lot of things that went along with it. But the thing is, as I got older, suddenly it's a case of realizing that's not really how God works, at least not in my experience. Because my experience of God through prayer, when I was younger particularly, is that often God says no. Mm. Because I'm very good at wanting or desiring things that might not be the best for me. Uh, not so much these days, but certainly when I was younger. Certainly the way that, that that prosperity gospel preacher spoke, it was this idea of God is like a parent. And you know what a great parent does? A great parent gives everything that they want to their children. And I'm mm. like, well, I am a parent now. And I think that's a terrible understanding of being a parent, let alone of what mm. God is like. Yeah. Because yeah. I know with my kids all the time, like if my kids got their way, they'd eat nothing but chicken nuggets and chocolate. And lollies. Yeah. And that's not good. So I know part of my role as a parent, and as I say, I don't actually believe God is a parent like that anymore mm. anyway. Mm. But even at that level, I'm like, well, that's not good parenting either no um and certainly in my relationship with god i've realized because god does love me sometimes the answer is no that's right and i think it flows into just more than gifts and money and finances this prosperity theme runs into well if you do these things or if you pray this way then you'll have a good life you know your life will mm. be easy or your life will be productive or you'll have good things happen to you and we just know that's not true, you know? No. And it, it comes back to that age-old question, you know, which is a rather primal question, I would say, is why do good things, why do bad things happen to good people? 
Mm. you know, or why does suffering exist, you know, and because that is a very real question. And, you know, so for me, I think growing up and, and, and being exposed to this sort of prosperity stuff just didn't quite fit. It didn't make sense because, you know, people in my life were, were ill, were sick. I was sick, you know, or, or things would happen and, mm. you know, really serious things would happen. You know, I lost a very, a, a good friend of mine when I was in my early 20s, you know, was hit by a bus. That kind of stuff happens and it's terrible. I realized that in the framework of the rhetoric of this kind of prosperity stuff, it was because someone was doing something wrong or someone wasn't praying the right way. Worse still, I wasn't praying the right way. Right. I mean, it's quite dangerous. Yeah. Right? A kind of dangerous form of spirituality where it says, if you do this right, mm. you will be rewarded. But then the reverse becomes true, right? That's right. If you're not doing it right, and the, well, these bad things are happening, whose fault is it? Well, because that's the implication, right? Because you said, oh, this preacher or whoever gave me 15 steps to get the thing that I want, right? Yeah. And so the implication is, obviously, if you don't do those 15 steps, you won't get the thing that you want. It's a difficult thing to, to grow up absorbing, I think. Uh, and it can lead to all sorts of things like shame and guilt when bad things do happen or when the good things you want, which could be very simple things like someone not being sick or someone not dying, not happening. And then not quite having the tools or the understanding to, to find God in that or the experience to recognize God in the midst of suffering or the ability to hold the reality of our unanswered questions in tension with a God who is present in our suffering without perhaps knowing the answers or understanding that fully. Yeah, and I think for me that was the really crucial thing that was missing from this idea of what God is like and how religion works. And the really sad thing for me was that at the time I was hearing that that message, there were a bunch of other young people who were hearing that message too. And many of them ran into tough situations in life. And when they turned to God and sought, you know, support and spiritual care, the sort of toolkit that they had to do that with wasn't very good mm. because it didn't give them answers. It didn't give them, uh, it didn't say to them, God is with you in this, even though horrible stuff happens. And, and instead, suddenly they didn't like themselves and they didn't like God. And most of those friends who went through, I had, who went through that experience ended up just going, well, religion is terrible, it's a waste of time, I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm, mm. And so that's one of the real risks, I think, of this particular idea. And that's not to say that I don't believe that God is benevolent and giving and kind and loving, Absolutely. because I do think all those Absolutely. things too. Yeah, yeah. But I also know that the reality of life is that we live in a, in a world where there is tragedy, there is hurt, there mm. is pain, there mm. is suffering, and we need to find a way of holding all of those things together. Absolutely. I, I personally find a lot of comfort in Jesus' words on the cross, actually, you know, when he's dying there, and you can only imagine the kind of suffering that he's in. And he says, my God, my God, or Father, why have you forsaken me? Because we think, surely Jesus, you know, <laughs> the Son of God or whatever, would, would have this constant sense of the presence of God. There's Jesus on the cross saying, why have you forsaken me? And of course, that's a quote from the Psalms, which alludes to a, a psalm that is full of absolute despair uh, and torment. For me, it, it's so comforting to know that not only Jesus, but many in the, in the history of the Christian tradition have experienced 
despair and turmoil and and suffering and have cried out to God in the midst of that uh, as a response and perhaps not known the, the answers in those moments but have still turned their attention to God. That for me has been extremely comforting to know because I'm like, oh, okay, it's not just me. It's not because I've done something wrong. It's not because I'm all out here on my own. It's actually something that's shared in that way that Hillary said, you know, that kind of cosmic church sense, right? Mm. Yeah, and I think it's a, what you're t- sort of talking to, just to link it back to what we, where we began this conversation, is that there is this real temptation in our world today to only present the best of ourselves. Yeah. And that actually what you're pointing to is, in the Christian tradition, there's a, and it's, it, it is the thing that I love about particularly the Old Testament and some of the Old Testament characters we have, people mm. like uh, David, yeah. is that it's a warts and all story. And oh, by yes. that I mean oh, yes. <laughs> that we don't get the Instagram version of David where <laughs> it's, here I am dancing at the parade. What a great party. I'm having a great time. But we actually get... All of the messiness of Mm. life is also told in his story. And David, if you don't know this, he did some really terrible things. He had some really poor judgment and he committed what we would call crimes today. Mm. Uh, Some of them pretty awful. And yet, you know, the Bible tradition has held all of that stuff together and gone, no, if we are going to value the person, we have to value the whole person, not just the best parts of ourselves. You mean not just the Instagram version? Not just the Instagram version. Mm. And it's it's a hard thing to do, right? Because at the same time, we have that thing in social media land of, ooh, oversharing. Don't overshare. Yeah, that's right. Don't air your dirty laundry. Yeah, and so there are those real strong cultural messages to say, no, 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 don't do that. And I look, we're not trying to, uh, we're not about to, do the reverse of that on this podcast and talk about all of our most no, miserable experiences. No, of course not. But, but they are there, right? <laughs> they are, they And they're are. part of who we are. We're just regular human beings trying to, you know, make make it along just like everyone else. Yeah. yeah. And I think that does reflect as well, if I could just carry that a little bit into ministry as well. As priests, you and I, you know, there are expectations or perceptions that are perhaps laid on to us as well, that because we are priests, you know, we have it all together. <laughs> Those people are wrong. Those people are wrong, <laughs> immediately. Yes, we have a particular responsibility or role in the church, uh, as do laity. We all do as the body of Christ, but we don't have it all together. And that's actually really important for people to know and understand. And I think sometimes the trap in ministry, especially in leadership, is that we start to take on those projections. We start to think, oh, well, people think I've got it all together. So therefore, I'm going to start to maybe believe that or at least act like it. And then we start to lose things like our authenticity, like our humility, um, even like our relatability I think um, as well and of course you know there's things like boundaries and things like how much to share how not you know how much not to share and do we preach from our wounds or from our scars and all of that stuff you know all of that stuff still relevant and really important but it doesn't detract from the the importance of of actually staying really grounded and in the sense that actually it's not all about performance yeah you know it's at the end of the day it can't be about just performance Uh, it has to be about who we are as people of God, what's and all, as you yeah. said. Yeah. Well, for me, the really important word here is holiness. And I think it's a, it's a really strong word in the Christian tradition. It's a word that, you know, we reach out and we all seem to have an idea of what it is. But 
again, I would bring it back to what does holiness really look like in real life? Mm. Often we can go, oh, that person was holy. And what, what do we mean by that? Oh, they offered really wonderful prayers. They <laughs> lead a service in a really, they're, they're poised, they're reserved. They, they never have a, a harsh word to say. They certainly don't swear. The, all of these things we ascribe to holiness and it can kind of become this weird sort of aloofness yeah. is what we attach the word holiness to. And I think particularly clergy, we can get sucked into trying to be that. Yeah, we can. Which I think is a huge mistake because, again, if we look at the example of Jesus in the gospel, Mm. where is holiness found? Holiness is found in everyday life with people who are going through all sorts of struggles, challenges, and Jesus is there in the midst of that. Mm. So I think holiness is kind of gritty. Yeah, it is gritty. Uh, good word. Yeah. Very good word. I think that's probably the thing I'd want people to take away. If there's nothing else <laughs> you take away from this podcast, just remember, where is holiness found? Well, holiness is often found in the harder things in life, mm. not just rewards, holiness or aloofness. It, it's, it's not that. You know, Holiness is something more real. Yeah, I like that. Another takeaway alongside that, right, is is the polished versus the real. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I think, you know, your, your comment earlier about the algorithms and, you know, the, the analytics and all of that stuff being a temptation to kind of, how can we further polish this? How can we, yeah. you know, <laughs> entice more people to listen or whatever? You know, the temptation's there for all of us in all aspects of our lives, you know, with that stuff all the time, I think, mm. whether it's on our personal social media page or whether it's, you know, the car we drive or anything like that. I think mm. it's there for us all the time. The temptation to to improve or to further polish what we've got in order to, you know, perhaps impress people or draw more people in. What you've done is you've, you've stopped that line of thought and you've gone, but why? Yeah. What is it that we're doing? And I think yeah. that's really awesome to bring that to our attention. I think, I hope that that's something that, you know, in this community of ordinary saints as well, we can make a bit of a discipline for us to stop regularly and go, okay, what, what is it that we're doing and why? Yeah. Are we being genuine? That's right. So that probably brings us to the end of this episode of the Pepsi Ordinary Saints <laughs> podcast. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, just to completely undo everything I talked about. Uh, no, this is the Ordinary Saints podcast, and we'll be staying just the Ordinary Saints That's podcast. That's right. Plain old Ordinary Saints podcast. So thanks for joining us once again. Uh, again, you're free to get uh, in touch with us using the email address, ordinarysaintspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And all those links are in the notes for the episode. Awesome. See you next time.